Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? So I know that that can feel a little bit awkward. If you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome. It is great to have you with us. But as you can see, we are a mixed congregation. And part of what we do in our service is we try to speak in the languages that people can understand and speak in the ways that people can hear in their own language and in their own tongue. And so sometimes that can make those of us who like to hear things in English a little bit uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, it's okay. Uh, we are all serving and praising our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're visiting with us for the first time today or if you are new to, to a church for the first time. It is, it is great to see you. It is great to have you. But uh, sometimes when you walk into a setting like this, it can be a little bit awkward. It can be a little uncomfortable. Like, what are all those words they're singing? And why are they, why are they singing? And why are they raising their hands? And why are they doing what they're doing? You know, it's like, for, for anybody that comes to church on a regular basis, it's like fish in a fish tank, right? We, we don't even know what's going on. It's just what we do in church, right? But if you're brand new to church, if this is kind of like the first time for you or something like that, like, it can feel kind of weird. Like, what are they saying? And what are those words that they're using? And all that stuff, what is it all about? And let me just assure you that, that I get that. It can be really awkward. It can be a little bit uncomfortable. And, and some of the words that we use are a little bit weird, um, that comes with time, that comes with growth and understanding, and, and I'm sorry. Let me just say I'm sorry, because sometimes we speak right over top of your heads, right? Like, that's just, that's just not good. Um, welcome, if this is your first time to church. Um, we want to be welcoming to anybody, wherever you're at in the journey. If this is all new to you, you need to understand why we sing some of those songs, why we do some of those things. It's because we believe that there is a God who formed us. We, we believe that there is a God who created this world and he created us to be in his image. And, and somewhere along the line, we were separated from God. That was uh, in the Old Testament, we, we call that uh, the, the fall or in the Adam and Eve story, if you've ever heard of that. It was, we were separated from God and there was no way back to God except through his son Jesus Christ and so in that story of redemption we now have this joy that fills our hearts because we have been reunited with Christ through his son Jesus Christ and so when we gather we are gathering both to acknowledge that God is the author of all life that he is our creator that he sent his son Jesus Christ and he saved us from our sin from our rebellion from that separation from him and he has restored all things the kingdom of the kingdom of God is now among us. And so if you hear some things that are a little bit awkward, it's, it's all part of that big story. It's all part of that big narrative. And if you are interested in knowing more about that story, we would love to tell you that story. Today I am starting a new sermon series. It is called Dependent, as you can see up on the screen. And as I was sitting, no, I was standing most of the time this morning, as I was standing over there, singing those songs, it was really hitting me this morning how much I am dependent on God. Now that might sound weird, right? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that I do in my life that I take care of my own needs, and there's a lot of ways that I am kind of self-sufficient. And Americans, we are pretty good at being self-sufficient. Uh, we try hard to take care of ourselves and meet our own needs, and Sometimes we forget that there's some very basic things in life that we often take for granted. And as we enter into a season of thanksgiving, as we enter into this time where we reflect a little bit, 
our national, on our national history, right? We, that's part of the Thanksgiving narrative. But for us Christians, it goes much further back. We are reflecting on some much deeper things. And as we enter into this season of Thanksgiving, we are also being reminded of how dependent we are on our God. Anybody like the air that you breathe? Anybody like the food that you eat? Most of it's still pretty natural, right? Anybody like the water that you drink? There's some pretty basic things that if we just stopped and thought about it, where did all that stuff come from? We would be pretty thankful. I, for one, like the air that I breathe. I get kind of claustrophobic when I have to breathe through a straw. You know, you ever tried that? Can't do that. I love having lungs full of air. Thank you, God. Thank you for the way he made this world, right? I mean, there's just some really basic things that we could be thankful for. As we go throughout today and as we get into this series, I want to draw your attention um, to this season of Thanksgiving. And we are going to be reflecting upon our dependence upon God. If you have a Bible or an electronic device, there are some in front of you if you don't have one. I'd like to turn your attention to Psalm 107. We are going to use Psalm 107 as our basis for today. Um, Any children that would like to have some busy bags or something to do today, you can go into the back corner and you can see uh, Mrs. Waldo and she will give you some stuff to work on today. So, Uh, Any kids want to go back and do that. But in Psalm 107, I actually need a couple of volunteers. I'm not going to read the entire psalm. You're actually going to hear it sung, and we are going to sing it together after the message today. But I do need a couple of volunteers. Do I have four volunteers? Raise your hand. You're going to read out loud just one verse. All right, I've got one. You're going to stand up. You're going to read verse 8 in just a second. Do I have a second volunteer? Yes, this is an interactive thing. I know it's weird. Ben? All right. Verse 15. Okay. Third volunteer. Nancy? Stand up. You're going to do verse 21. Alex? Stand up. You're going to do verse 31. All right. If you volunteered, stand up. I am going to read verse 1, and then they are going to read the verses that I told them to read. So 8, 15, 21, 31. Psalm 107. Got it, Nancy? All right. Psalm 107, you've heard it already, maybe. This is how it goes. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Verse 15. Good. Hmm. What did you notice about those verses? They sound kind of familiar, don't they? In other words, when you see in the Bible, you see verses that are repeated, you better get the idea that that's the message that's trying to be conveyed, right? It starts out with, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. 
And then it repeats that idea. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Right? And it goes through several different scenarios in this psalm. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. Now, let me draw your attention to that word love. His faithful love endures forever. First of all, this is our big idea for today. God's love is unfailing. And he does wonderful things for all humankind. Amen? Let's just say amen together. God's love is unfailing and he does wonderful things for all humankind. Now, the word for love in Hebrew is hesed. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed. And that is not the typical word that we would use when we say, I love you, right? When we talk about love in our context, we're not talking about God's hesed. Because God's hesed is both I love you, but it's much deeper than that. It's a covenant kind of love. It is a righteous love. It is a faithful love. It is a love that does not change. Hence the word here, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love, right? His faithfulness, his love endures forever. So as you're thinking about this idea of love, I want you to think about love in the context of something that never changes. It is very relational. But I assure you that it is absolute. It does not change. God does not change. And we read about that in the New Testament, right? One of the writers says that Jesus Christ, one of the Trinity, he is the same yesterday, today, and Forever, We are reassured throughout scripture that God does not change and therefore his love does not change. So just be reminded of that as you are listening to these ideas as we go through them today. The other thing I want to draw your attention to as we think about these verses together is that this love, this thankfulness that we are expressing to God, it is not something that is based upon our circumstances. Gratefulness isn't dependent on your circumstances. Oh, there are many things in our lives that we want to give thanks for. There are some things that we give thanks to God for based upon what he's done for us. There are some things that we give thanks to our parents for because of what they've done for us or We should give thanks to our parents for things that they have done for us. There are some things that we want to give thanks to our friends or our spouses for or whoever. Circumstantial thanks, circumstantial thanksgiving or gratefulness is a good thing. But this kind of thanksgiving, the thanksgiving that we're talking about here that God is reminding his people of, It was not based upon circumstances alone. It was based upon who God is. Because our gratefulness isn't dependent only upon our circumstances. I was reading this week from uh, an author and a pastor. His name is Dr. Tony Evans. Some of you might know him. And a few years ago, he wrote a blog. And in that blog, he was talking about how... Uh, in Thessalonians, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 18, Paul teaches his people to give thanks in everything. 
Give thanks in everything. Now sometimes we read those verses and we think, I don't feel like giving thanks. I don't feel like giving thanks when a good friend decides that it's time for a relationship to be done. I don't feel like giving thanks when I find myself in a state of deep depression and I can't get out of it. I don't feel like giving thanks when I see some things out there in the world that I don't like. God, I don't feel like giving thanks all the time. And in this blog, Dr. Evans points out that the word there is to give thanks in everything. And to our minds, too often times, we interpret that word as for. And we read that, give thanks for everything. And the reality is, as according to Dr. Evans, and I agree with him on this, we are not bound to give thanks for everything. Because there are some things in our lives that aren't good. Now, can we learn from them? Sure, as good Christians, some of you have learned how to be content in every situation, right? And, and so we have kind of forced ourselves to find a way to be thankful for all things. But that's not what that word is talking about. That's not what the scripture te- says to be thankful in everything. And that in everything says we are not necessarily bound for the circumstances, but in all things we can find a way to be thankful for who God is and what he's done for us. His faithful love endures forever. Be thankful in and not for everything. And see if some things in your life begin to change. The, the perspective, when the perspective changes, things change. And that will force us to not take things for granted. That will force us to look at our lives and find some ways where God is good to us despite what we're going through. Because God never changes his good gifts the things that he gives to us, the things that he makes us aware of, God never changes despite our circumstances and it's difficult sometimes. I can tell you, for me personally, I find it hard to be thankful. Can I just say that as your pastor? I'm sorry. I just, I do. I find it hard to be thankful. There's many different reasons for that. One is that I'm always on to the next thing. I'm always working on some task. I'm always driven by some thing that comes next. And I don't take the time to stop and just be thankful for what just happened because it's on to the next thing. And I'm, I'm relentless in that pursuit. If you knew me, you knew my personality, and I'll just give you a little hint here. My personality is, is one of, of, of perfectionism. I never meet it, so what do I have to be thankful for? That's my inner critic, they would call it, right? That's the, that's the me that speaks to myself. Well, you just didn't quite get it right that time, so better luck next time and on to the next thing. And thankfulness just kind of gets set aside. Or I get so busy, 
I told somebody this morning, I feel like I'm kind of redlining right now. There's just so many things going on in my life, and I'm kind of, I'm redlining, and I'm, I'm probably going to be there, just so you know, I'm going to be there for about another month. I'm redlining, and in redlining, I devolve into some patterns and some thoughts that aren't good. They're, they're destructive to me. But that's just me. You come at it from a whole different perspective. You come at it in your own stories, your own situations. Maybe it's situations that have preceded you, things that were outside your control. We're going to talk about some of that in a couple of minutes because that's what the psalm goes into. No matter where you find yourself, we have the opportunity to cry out. And I have to be reminded, why did I stand over here and recognize it was good to be here this morning? Because I recognize that I am dependent on God. I can't do this alone. I can't make it through life. I can't walk the journey of self-sufficiency without asking for help along the way. I am entirely dependent upon God, whether I recognize it or I don't. The Greater Good Science Center out of the University of California at Berkeley has done some research on gratefulness, on thankfulness. And they have come up with five basic benefits of how you and I can be thankful for thankfulness. We can be grateful for the idea of gratefulness, all right? So let me just give the five to you really quickly. When you are thankful, you are actually less stressed and you find yourself in a better mood. This is scientifically researched, all right, based upon what they're saying. This isn't just me saying it to you. You are less stressed and you are in a better mood when you are grateful, when you are thankful. Now that's thankful in any kind of context. That's thankful towards each other. That's just thankful in your own mind and heart, looking at things that you can be thankful for. You can expect to be less stressed. Secondly, you can expect to find less pain. And this is actually related to exercise. When you are grateful, when you are thankful, you are actually more motivated to exercise. You're actually more motivated to work out and to give your time to other things, like things that help you take care of yourself. You are less filled with pain and you gain more from that. The third thing is you actually sleep better. Thank you, Emma. Fellow one, I think, perfection, right? Just couldn't let that be there. It's good. Sometimes we think that sleep, and this is actually one of the findings of this study, is that people put sleep over thankfulness. They, if I can just get more sleep, I'll be more thankful. And this research actually found that when you are thankful, you actually sleep better. Which is fascinating, right? You actually will sleep more soundly, you will sleep longer, you will sleep better when you are thankful. So you want to sleep better? Be more thankful. Fourth thing is you have stronger relationships. When you are thankful toward one another, your relationships grow deeper, they grow stronger, you see 
each other in a different kind of way. You recognize each other in a deeper and a more profound way. And the fifth thing is that you are far more resilient when you are thankful. And this is the important one when we talk about circumstances. How do we get through the tough situations in life? Because as we're going to talk about in just a minute with the psalm, it says when you find yourself in difficult situations to cry out to God. Well, how many of you have cried out to God and he didn't really answer that cry? He didn't change your circumstance. He didn't change the situation that you found yourself in. I've cried out to you, God, but where are you? I've cried out, God, but you haven't changed anything about what I'm going through. Thankfulness, according to this research, makes you stronger to find your way through that circumstance. It makes you more resilient in the face of discouragement. It makes you more resilient in the face of struggle that doesn't seem to change. It helps your resilience. It's not the only thing that you need. I'm just saying what the research suggests, that when we are thankful, there are physical, mental, emotional, and social benefits for our gratefulness. Why, throughout the scriptures, does God call his people to remember their past? Why does God, throughout the scriptures, call his people to be reminded of what he has done for them? This psalm would have been spoken on the way up to the temple. This psalm would have been sung at the temple, a a reminder of things that they could be thankful for. Because when we're thankful, our perspective changes. Why is it good to have a season of thanksgiving? Because our perspective changes. And I'm telling you, I told you a minute ago, it's not easy for me. It's not easy for me to take time to be thankful. I don't know. Maybe it's easy for you to be thankful. And I give thanks to the Lord for that. Amen? But if it's hard for you, I'm with you. But I'm telling you, There's benefits to it. One thing I like about this psalm is that it teaches us that God meets us where we're at. We give thanks to the Lord because he never changes. And when we cry out to him, he meets us right where we need to be met. The first one, if you read in verses 2 and 3, this is a psalm that was written probably to the Israelites as they were coming back from being in exile in Babylon. God saw them. God knew where they were at. God was with them and he was reminding them, remember, I'm, I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you out of this exile. God meets you and I in exile. He meets us where we're at and he calls us back to him. If you were to go on, it would say that there are some folks that were wandering and they were lost. When you're lost, when somebody you know is lost, when you're wandering out there and you're looking for things that you don't know the answers to and you're trying all different kinds of things and you end up in a place you never expected and you're truly lost and it says that you are hungry and you are thirsty, God meets you where you're at. 
It says in these verses, I give you something to drink. You're thirsty? I give you something to drink. You're hungry? I give you good things to eat. Doesn't say, like, if you're thirsty, we'll, we'll come on in and, and let's light a candle and let's celebrate and we'll be good together. No, it says, I, I'm going to give you something to drink. I'm going to take care of you. So whether you're in exile or you're lost or the other one is when you're locked up. Again, this could have been a reference to the folks that were locked up in Babylon. They were maybe the leaders of the tribes of, of Israel. and They had been locked up and they were literally in chains. They were bound. Some of us, or you know some people who have literally been in chains. Some of us are just locked up. Some of us are in chains of our own making. Some of us find ourselves in places where we just feel like we are stuck and we are held there and we are held in some cases against our will. God's love meets you. He says, cry out. It says they cried out to him, Lord, help. Lord, help me. And he met them. And he broke their chains. Chains of bronze and chains of iron. He broke them. Because God meets you where you're at. Some of us find ourselves, as the psalmist says later, suffering under the weight of our own rebellion. Suffering under the consequences of going our own way. And we are now wasting away, sick or dying or whatever it might be. We are suffering under the weight of our own rebellion. And God says, cry out to me. Lord, help and I will meet you there. Cry out to God. When you're at the mercy of nature. It talks later in that chapter of Psalms. It talks about being on the open seas and how God brings a tempest or a storm upon the seas. And it says they're riding the waves as high up to the heavens, down to the earth. And it says they're riding and they're freaking out and they're scared beyond their wits and they cry out to the Lord, help me. And he meets them. He comes. He calms the storm. Remind you of a story in the New Testament? The disciples in the boat, the storm, Jesus sleeping. Lord, help us. We're going to capsize. We're going to drown. And he comes and he speaks and the storm is stilled. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. God calls us to cry out. My wife taught me this a couple of years ago. It's another research-based thing. I couldn't find the actual research for this message, but she could, but she's away this weekend. She says, gratefulness and anxiety are not friends with one another. Now think about that for a minute. She told me that in the context of a stress Stressful situation. 
She said, when you find yourselves in the midst of a stressful situation where you're trying to do something, you're feeling a lot of weight, a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure, think of things that you're grateful for. Think of things that you're thankful for and your stress level will come down. You'll be able to handle things in a whole different kind of way. Stress and anxiety, they they change our chemistry. They change the way we think. They change our brains. And thankfulness kind of reorients that a little bit. I don't know how it works. I don't know the research. Talk to Nancy. She can tell you later, like if that's even true. But it worked. I can tell you it worked in our situation. Be thankful. Be thankful. It changes how you think. It changes how you cope with things. Gratefulness and anxiety are not friends with one another. In all of these things, the psalmist says in verse 2, he says, Has the Lord redeemed you? Now this is the psalmist speaking on behalf and to the Israelite nation and coming out of exile and causing them to reflect on all that he's done for them, the story of coming out of Egypt and now coming out of exile. He says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. That's what he says. Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. We're going to give you all a chance to do that in just a couple of weeks. We have uh, what we call an annual Thanksgiving testimony service. And uh, in two Sundays from now, we're going to gather in this space. And there's going to be just a complete open mic and an opportunity for you to come and share what you are thankful for. Because it encourages us. It encourages you, it encourages me, it encourages all of us to hear how the Lord's been working in our lives. And some of those testimonies, I assure you, are not testimonies of victory completely. They're testimonies of being in the journey. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm giving thanks to the Lord nonetheless. Some of those testimonies are ones of struggle and ones of pain, but again, the thanksgiving isn't based upon our circumstances. It's based upon who God is. Because not all of our circumstances are ones that we want to give thanks for. And I get that. But has the Lord redeemed you? Has the Lord done something in your life? And again, if you're new here today, like, that might sound kind of weird. Like, what has He done for me? That's something we should talk about. Like, how is the Lord working in your life? Why are you here today? And what brought you here? And what's going through your mind? And how is this different from other things you've experienced? And and how do we walk through that together? Redeemed. Redeemed is an interesting word, right? What does it mean to be redeemed? That's the, the process that God is using to draw himself back into relationship with his people. Redeemed is being brought back from the brink of death. Redeemed is a synonymous word with salvation in some, in many cases. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Don't hesitate to share it with me, with others. Nora Claver wrote uh, an interesting article many years ago in the New York Times. And she said, you know, I had grown so comfortable, this is, The title of it was, Why Don't People Ask for Help? Or Why Don't I Ask for Help? I think might have been the exact title. And she said, you know, I had grown so used to being self-sufficient 
I didn't have to ask for help. I just took care of myself. And then over time, I also learned that every time I did actually ask for help, nobody was there. All my friends, all my closest friends, they left in that moment. And so it just reinforced my need to be even more self-sufficient. And then, you know what happens, friends, is when we have those experiences with the people around us, we then apply that to our relationship with God. We treat God like other people, right? And if I can't trust other people, why would I trust God? And then we stop asking God for help. This psalm tells us to cry out to God. And I am here to tell you, he is there. He will respond to you. He will listen to you. He hears you because his love never changes for you. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. It doesn't matter how hard you are on yourself like I am on myself. It doesn't matter if you're in a situation of your own making or it's a situation that somebody has forced upon you. A broken relationship. A divorce. A struggle with mental illness. There are things that are outside of your control. But God loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. And you can still be thankful for who he is in the midst of all of that. Because God never changes. And we are dependent upon him. That's what we're going to be focusing on for the next couple of weeks is our dependence upon God, our need to thank Him and to be aware and to be more grateful in this season of thanksgiving. We're going to transition and we are going to prepare our hearts to receive the elements this morning. This is called the the Lord's Table. Uh, We call it communion. This is an opportunity for us to give thanks for who God is and what he has done for us. And what we celebrate in the elements this morning, what we celebrate in the bread, and this is grape juice here this morning, what we celebrate is the great sacrifice that God made for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to take some time and we're going to prepare our hearts to be thankful this morning. This was commanded, and the eating of this was commanded by Jesus at his last supper. He was sitting around a table, and he was sitting with some friends. We call them his disciples. And as he was sitting and they were eating together, Jesus knew that it would be the last time that he would eat with them. They had no clue. They were celebrating a meal together. They were reclining at the table, and you can imagine just enjoying themselves. It was the Passover. It was a festival, so there was some ceremony and reason for it. But at the same time, it was 
not in their mindset that Jesus would be crucified the next day. And at the end of that supper, at the end, uh, it says that they reclined at that table and Jesus took some bread and he broke it and he took the juice and he passed it around and they ate together. And he described what those symbolized. The bread being his body that was about to be hung up on the cross. And the juice or the wine in their case representing the blood that was going to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And when we gather to honor this table this morning, when we gather, we are remembering what we have been brought into as Christians. We are remembering our baptism. In some cases, we are remembering the journey of forgiveness. Of the great sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ. That while we were still sinners. He died for us. While we were still separated. Not because of anything we had done. But he invited us to be one with him. And invited us into that relationship. So I want to give us. Two or three minutes, we'll let Andrew play quietly as you just ponder for a moment what we are about to do. I want to assure you that this table is open. This table is for everybody. It is for anyone and everyone who acknowledges that Jesus is Lord, that there is a purpose for this, that there is something going on inside of you. Jesus promises to meet you here at this table And you might need that today in a very special and a profound way. So the table is open, but we invite you and we strongly encourage you to look inside your hearts. We don't come to this table lightly. Jesus didn't go to the cross lightly. And so we take a look inside of ourselves, we examine our hearts and our minds, and we take some time to just open ourselves up and say, God, what are you doing? What are you saying to me? What do I need to work on? Forgive and cleanse me. I'll come back in a minute and we'll pray together and we'll partake together.